Welcome to It Just Makes Sense, a podcast by two easily distracted, higher educated, former lovers that explores all the unpopular opinions, conspiracy theories, and cult leaders that make you want to scream, It It Just just Makes Sense. sense. I'm Sam Smith. And I'm Jeff Seifert. And on this week's episode, we're on 1990s, The Deadliest Decade, Episode 2. Here we go. There should be trigger (laughs) warnings left and right in this episode. Really? Um, Extreme violence. Really? Super graphic, yeah. Wow. So just be aware of that going into it. So this case is one I definitely remember it occurring and hearing about, but I did not remember the full details of this case. Okay. I just remember that it's very sim- similar to the Slenderman killings. So when the Slenderman killing came out, it like triggered me remembering the details of what happened. Oh, uh, I definitely or remember so Slenderman. That's yeah. recently though, right? That's what I'm saying. So like when Slenderman came out, it made me be like, oh, this is so similar to this case in the 90s. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying it was the Slenderman. No, I was like, no, that no, doesn't no, no. seem like the 90s. No. So episode two is entitled The New Girl. Some of the names and events have been changed per the episode guide, so don't come at me if it's wrong or you're like, that's not really the right name of it. Oh, they they use different names on the show? I think so, but I don't know. When I looked it up in Wikipedia and read other resources, the names sounded the same, so (laughs) can only do so much research as the episode provides. All right. So the episode starts out saying that how in the 1990s, the occult was the obsession, which was true. You know? Oh, yeah. That was like Satanic Panic, wasn't right, that the 90s? Yeah. It was Satanic Panic. Yeah. Like the craft was huge. It was like box office gold. Heavy metal. Yeah, like Marilyn Manson, Ouija board seances. Love it. But like who didn't go to a sleepover and play Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Light as a feather, stiff as a board. Every, yes. Absolutely. And then I was so chubby that it would be like, they have their full hands. I don't need to like trying to lift me. Oh, yeah. And I just lay there full on like 150-pound 10-year-old being like, let us have others if it's What was that movie? The Craft. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With, it was um, so good. What was her name? Nev Campbell, right? She was the actress. I think so. Yeah. And then they came out with a new one, but I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was out recently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was August of 1991 when 12-year-old Shanda Scherer in New Albany, Indiana, was not one for the occult. She was more into pop music and the latest preppy fashion and lots of hairspray. Loving it. 90s hair to the finest. New Kids on the Block, Paula Abdul. Yes. So Shanda was super close with her mom and she had previously attended a small Catholic school in Kentucky. She was super involved, a cheerleader, played three sports, and was a huge social butterfly. Is that the, how they say her name on the show? Yeah. I'm just reading it, and it looks like it should be Shonda, not no, Shanda. No, Shanda. I watched the episode. <laughs> I understand. That's why I, I asked. No. Your pronunciation skills aren't <laughs> the best. Shut up. But to be closer to her dad and stepmom, her mom and Shanda relocated to New Albany. New Albany was a typical middle-class town. It was a close-knit community, and Shanda loved being with both her mom and her dad. So in late August of 1991, Shanda started the seventh grade at a new school, at Hazelwood Middle School. Also, like, fuck middle school. It was the worst. Middle school was rough. I mean, I loved middle school, and I was actually, like, pretty popular. I don't know why. Because I think I was oblivious. I got beat up. And by and by beat you up, you did. Well, let me finish. Okay. I got beat up, and by beat up, I got slapped. 
people probably did bully me or like talk about me behind my back, but I just like never have ever cared what people thought about me. Oh. Yeah, you know? I, de- I mean, I'm I just whatever. I definitely was called a fag and things like that really? by other boys. Yeah. That's I don't think I was ever like it didn't ever really affect me though. I was no, just a that's what I mean. I band mean, nerd and I yeah, didn't really I hung care. out with my drama kids. Yeah. Dra- yeah, drama for yeah. sure. Huge nerd. Right. Typical. So Shanda said on the, the night before going back to school, she had spent three hours trying on outfits. Oh she like wanted to fit in so bad. Uh, I was school. like, why is that on? I don't understand. Isn't was, that normal? Like, so nervous. Oh, she was trying to look good. Yeah. <laughs> Hazelwood Middle School was 10 times bigger than her school in Kentucky. <gasps> and Shanda just wanted to make friends. I remember being so nervous about there being enough time to get from class to class. I was nervous. That was about the only thing I had anxiety about. At my school, we went from four elementary schools into one middle school. So, like, I didn't know anyone in my classes. Oh, they really? Weren't from my middle, I, there was one other kid from my elementary school in my group. That seems inaccurate, but I'll take your word for it. If I went from a school of, like, 110 kids to 465. Yeah, so your entire school went to a, except for one kid, went to another school? No, we were in the same, we were all in the same building, the same school, but like within my two group, like two class pod of teachers, uh, there's only one kid in my group that uh, I had classes with. All right. God, duh. <laughs> Just seemed a bit inaccurate. I still like had lunch with people in, like from my elementary school, but I didn't have classes with them. All right. You big baby. <laughs> All seemed to be going well the very or the first few days until on the third day of school, the assistant principal called Jackie, Shanda's mom, and said that one of the girls that she made friends with wanted to had wanted to break up with her boyfriend and wanted to give the ring back. What? Why did the assistant principal? Who, okay, but who gives out rings in seventh grade? What Not, does the ring look like? Who now? Crackjack box. May oh maybe. So Shanda was trying to fit in and said to the girl, like, no worries. I'll give the ring back to him. Just give it to me and I'll return it for you. Okay. So, like, she wants to break up with you. So she goes to give the boy the ring back. And he said, who the F are you? This is none of your business. And a girl named Amanda Heverin comes over and was like, who the F are you? Really? Yeah. And it turns out Amanda Heverin was the cousin of the boy with, with the ring and Amanda said she shouldn't be budding. Shanda shouldn't be budding in where she shouldn't belong, and shoved Shanda to the ground. Wow! So they That's started a bit aggressive. fighting. Yeah, they started fighting. By the time the teachers break them up, Shanda had a bump on her head and got a weak detention. Okay, she's the one that got beat up, and she got detention. Well, Amanda Heaven got a week of detention too. Amanda Heaven should have got two weeks, and Shanda should have got none. That's she how it was always. She is, was a victim. I'm just saying. So instead of fighting in detention, Shanda and Amanda became besties. I love it. Shanda and Amanda, this should be a show. Right? Or a podcast. So Jackie was surprised by this friendship. She was like, Shanda, this girl just fought you. Why are you friends with her? She shoved you down. But Shanda really liked her, and so her mom grew to accept Amanda. She was just misunderstood. I guess. But Shanda didn't share with her mom everything about Amanda. Uh Uh-oh. Amanda and this girl, Melinda Loveless... Had an on on again, off again relationship. I love it. Amanda Loveness. I know, right? What a great name. Is she great? I didn't say she was great. (laughs) I I said her name. Amanda Loveless, or Melinda Loveless, that's like a country singer. Right? And in the 90s, like, how progressive of them to be, like, out 
as two girls in a relationship. And apparently Melinda was like this glamorous Julia Roberts lookalike, and she was 16, a year older than her classmate. What? Get it, girl. Statutory rape, ma? Right. Melinda had to repeat a year in school, which is why she was still in middle school. (laughs) Apparently the girls were open about the relationship, which was unusual for the 90s in Indiana. Wow, yeah, that is. And they would, like, hold their own when they were harassed for being gay. They said, like, they couldn't care less. They were in a serious relationship. Like, that's kind of wild. 16 and 15. But, like, and in the, like, I just feel like that's crazy. Yeah. But Melinda was super controlling, and the relationship started to sour. And Amanda started to set her eyes on someone else. Shonda? Shanda. Shanda. <laughs> oh, I keep thinking Shonda. No, that's Shonda. Yeah. Shonda, Shanda. So Amanda broke up with Melinda and started to slowly work her way into Shanda's life. Oh, hey. They would pass notes constantly. Oh, I love passing notes. This was pre-texting in social media. I would write them all the time. Remember when Fold you like, them. get into Chinese football? Yes. So you would write like, what's up? What's down? Yeah. What's up? Mm-hmm. NMH. Nothing much here. Oh, wow. That was a lot. <laughs> I don't think mine all said that. Mine were so long. <laughs> So Shanda keeps seeing Amanda, and soon her mom starts to see changes in Shanda. She was failing her classes, and Amanda had taught her how to forge her mom's signature and was signing all of her report cards and progress reports. Her mom wouldn't know any of her grades. What? So her mom said, that's it. No more, Amanda. You cannot be friends with this girl. But you can't stop love. You sure can. They hung out behind Shanda's mom's back, and she, um, Shanda said she wasn't going to stop from seeing her one true love. So her secret um, isn't under wraps for long. Shanda wrote Amanda a letter, but the dummy didn't put a stamp on it, and it was returned. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't they go to school together? Why didn't she just give it to her school? I don't know. They, like, loved writing each other letters. Okay, that's weird. So this is where I get annoyed with the mom for a hot minute, because the mom said that she was devastated when she found the letter because it was obvious from the letter that they had had a physical relationship. Why is she devastated? She claims that she didn't care that her daughter was a lesbian. She was more upset that there was an older girl pressuring her to do things she didn't want to do. How do you know that she didn't want to do it? What if she wanted to do them? What if she wanted to do them? Seriously, mom. But like, it's kind of tough because then I was like, well, what if it was an older male? I'd be like, thinking you're making her do things. One year? You would not be thinking that. I guess not. 16 and but 15. this is what also drove me insane then. Because she says she's okay with her being a lesbian. But then right after finding that letter, she pulls Shanda from her public school and sends her, transfers her to a private Catholic school. Yeah, the mother is a liar. Liar. Ryan right? B.H. I know, but I really like the mom in the end. But whatever. Okay. <laughs> so the new school seems to straighten her out. Within three weeks. Literally had- or figuratively. <laughs> that sounds like conversion therapy, <laughs> if you ask me. I didn't even mean that. Rude, Samantha. <laughs> Within three weeks, she had new friends. She was trying out for cheerleading. She was doing her homework. All was well. With yeah, that definitely sounds like some conversion therapy right? shit right there. So Amanda tries to keep in touch with Shanda, but Shanda's so busy with her new friends and new life. And Amanda does not like to be ignored. Good. Can't put baby in the corner. Right. On January 2nd, 1992, Shanda wrote a letter to her friend complaining about Amanda. She just wants Amanda to leave her alone and let her enjoy her new life at her new school. On January 11th, 1992, at 10.45 a.m., outside Madison, Indiana, a hunter was heading to his favorite spot and he noticed something in the field. And that was the start of a nightmare in Indiana. 
the hunter had found a burned body. Okay. The police arrived 20 minutes later with homicide detectives and CSI. It had been about three years since there had been a homicide in Jefferson County in Indiana. It appeared to be the body of a young woman, but it was badly burned. She was wrapped in a blanket, but the upper part of the body was exposed, and it was too hard to tell who it was just because Ugh. of the burns. They found a soft drink bottle with accelerant in it. They took videos of the scene and continued to collect evidence. They started checking missing persons reports, but there was no match. Why would anyone leave her in the wide, like in the wide open? Because she was just in the middle of an open field when, like, a few yards away, they could have hidden her deep in the woods. And the police oh, said, like, they never would have found her body. Really? They hid it in the woods. Huh. So the huh. police are thinking it may have been part of a satanic cult ritual. Oh. Satanic panic. Here we go. But, like, I find it so boggling to me that police actually believed this. That there was, like, people burning bodies in satanic rituals all the time in Indiana. You think that that's crazy? What, I guess. Three quarters. Well, how, many, how many people believe in QAnon in this country I right know, now? right? People are always, always believe crazy shit. <laughs> right. They thought because the um, body had been burned, the group had burned the body, it had to have been part of a satanic ritual. Also, not far from the body was an abandoned stone house, which the locals referred to as the Witch's Castle. Cool. Right? It's just kind of a creepy place where kids would, like, go to drink and do demonic things. Did you ever have, like, anything like that? No. When you're from, where you're from? If I did, I never, I wasn't cool enough to go. No. I was at church every weekend. Oh, hilarious. <laughs> I forgot you were Bible thumper. Yeah, I mean, neither. We didn't really do anything like that. We yeah, just, no. I mean, I. I didn't even drink in high school. My friends were all older, so I was going to Canada with them. Like, oh, I used to go. I know. <laughs> Typical. Bad. What are you going to do? So they sent the body to the coroner for an autopsy and start and tried to start to determine who the hell this even was. Who did it? They had no idea who the victim could be until around 9.30 that night, a 15-year-old walks into the state police department with her parents. Her name was Tony Lawrence. Okay, who is this clown? She said she knows something about a murder. So now Ow. let's go back to January 10th, 1992, the night before the discovery of the body. She had just been at her new school for two months at this point. And at 11.30 p.m. on January 10th, Shanda was watching TV at her dad's house. At 7 o'clock the next morning, they noticed Shanda wasn't in her room. Oh, is Shanda dead? They thought maybe she had snuck out, but she had never done that before. Oh, here we go. They looked all over the town and could not find her. Steve then calls Jackie, Shanda's mom, to say that Shanda's missing. The mom said she, her heart just fell to the floor. When Jackie got to Steve's house, she sees Shanda's purse on the table. Who was Steve again? Her dad. Oh. She said Shanda would go nowhere without her purse. So they called the police, which I find weird for like a 12-year-old to not go anywhere without, without her purse. But mm. whatever. When the police got there, they're trying to figure out who who she could have gone missing with. They're like, maybe she just ran away with friends. You know what I mean? Like, whatever. So her parents just keep calling everyone they know. They even call Amanda Heverin, and she says she has no idea, but she gives them more names of people to call and say maybe they would know where she is. What? Jackie felt in her bones that Amanda was vo- involved. But of course she did. But they couldn't do anything but wait. Why would she? Was she involved? Why? Well, I'm saying, I'm not saying that I think she's involved. Why? Her parents. I'm saying, of course, she's naturally going to go back to that. Because that was the bad influence. Right. It's always the bad influence's fault. Right. So now back to Tony Lawrence. 
She's 45 minutes away in a different county police department. So why does this bitch know? So Tony came from middle class, a quiet girl, kind of more of a wallflower. Okay, that was rude. Why did I call her a bitch? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You don't want to wait. <laughs> she seemed to be crying a lot at the police station. Tony calls or tells the police some girl she was with the night before um, that they were going to the witch's castle and to kill a girl. Okay, and maybe she did. was a crazy. Okay, now I... Take it back again. She is a bitch. She's killing people. Tony said she never met the girl before in her life, but she knew her first name was Shanda. <gasps> but she didn't know her last name. What? Also, I find it weird that, like, Shanda's not a popular name. So why does it, the sheriff should know right away. Who like, it you is? You know what I mean? But I guess not. Like, I mean, I'm how many people are in the town? Can't be that big. So the sheriff <laughs> contacts the next county for a missing girl named Shanda. And they said, Yes. We do. So this is getting wild. Wild. They compare the missing person reports to the report from the scene of the murder, and it's a match. So now detectives go to the home of of Steve, Shanda's dad, break the news that the little girl was murdered. Can you imagine not just like there was an accident, she was in a car accident. Like she was set on fire. Murdered. murdered. So that wasn't the worst part. The worst part was when they found out what had happened to her. She was alive when she was set on fire. Shut the She died of smoke door. inhalation. Uh, well, and her mom found that out from the news. The police didn't tell her. Wow. So, Way to drop the ball there. Right? So Tony Lawrence tells the police the entire story. She said her and her friend Hope had went out with their friend Lori Tackett to a punk rock concert. Tony thought Lori was a little strange. And Lori was for sure like gothic, super black, like Marilyn Manson. She definitely set the girl on fire. It wasn't until all the girls were in the car on the way to the concert when Lori says to Hope, have you told Tony yet? And when Tony said, tell me what, Lori said, we're going to kill a little girl tonight. Okay, what the? And like, wait, what? So Tony thought it was like a sick joke, which I probably would too. I'd be like, okay, that's weird. Yeah. But as Lori drives, she stops to pick up a friend. Melinda Loveless. What? <laughs> they arrive at Shanda's father's house around midnight with a plan to lure her out. The plan was that Hope and Tony were going to tell Shanda that Amanda wanted to see her and go with them to meet up with Amanda. Shanda opens the door and is like, who the hell are you? Like, she never Seriously. met these two people before. But the minute they saw, they say they knew Amanda, it changes and Shanda goes with them. She wants to see Amanda. Well, like... Okay, how old was Shanda again? 12? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess that's, like... Right? Pretty naive. Yeah. Shanda gets in the... Especially if, like, a girl that you, like, had really... At 12? Yeah. Like, you think you're in love with? Like, you oh, know what I, I mean? But she, like, hated... I don't know. Wait, so she was 12 and Amanda was 16? No, Melinda Loveless is 16. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 16, 15. That way. Yeah. Got it, got it, got it. So Shanda gets in the car, but Amanda's not there. They told her that Amanda was waiting for her at the witch's castle. Now, mm-hmm. Melinda Loveless was hiding in the car. And at this point, she springs up and grabs Shanda by the hair, grabs her throat, and says, shut up, bitch. Now Shanda had to be terrified. Could wow. you imagine? No. So based on this confession, police arrest Lori and Melinda for the murder of Shanda. Good. Now it's going all over the media, of course. as a lesbian love yeah. trial, satanic ritual. Get the like, headlines. <laughs> so after the arrest, they comb the car for evidence. They find a tire iron with bodily fluid on it. There was blood, hair. You could tell, like, she had a horrible night. Jesus. But now that's an understatement. <laughs> right. So now prosecution can move forward. They start interviewing everyone to start to build a case and figure out why they did it. 
When they started investigating Melinda, they found out that Melinda's father was a monster. Okay. So she lived in a physically and sexually abusive home. Her father later was convicted of this, but she grew up to be a very violent and jealous girl. She either had to have it all and it had to be her way. Several months earlier, Amanda's dad had actually filed a complaint with the police after finding letters from Melinda to Amanda, which Melinda had threatened to kill Shanda and that she hated her. Jeez. Okay. But they never did anything. Way to just sit on it. Right? But it's like, again, a letter from, I don't know. I mean, I at least would have... Told the family. Yeah. yeah. Told the family or the, his parents, her, or Melinda's parents. It wasn't until the next fall that Melinda met Lori Tackett, and they became fast friends. They both grew up in crazy, abusive homes. Lori's family was a super fundamental Christian. Christians, so Lori rebelled by becoming goth and obsessed with the occult, fire, and death. Mm. She always talked about how badly she wanted to burn someone or stick a knife into someone to see how it would feel. Right, freak. Right? Melinda wanted Shanda dead, and Lori wanted to kill someone. It was a lethal match made in hat match made in hell. Seriously. So Lori and Melinda just needed to lure Shanda out of the house. So they got Tony and Hope to do this. And I don't think those girls knew what was going to happen. What they were getting into. Right. But they sure as hell didn't stop it. Yeah. So um, the judge rules that all four girls would be charged as adults and Lori and Melinda can face the death penalty. Wow. That's a bit aggressive. I don't think so. Once you read what they do to her. Okay. <laughs> Lori and Melinda both take a plea deal, and that's to take the death penalty off the table. Hope and Tony also plead guilty, and on December 14th of 1992, Melinda's hearing begins, and we and what happened on that night is finally revealed. Ugh. So this is going to come mostly from Wikipedia, because the show very much so glossed over a lot of it. What they like did they, to her? Yes, they were just like... They beat her up, put her in the trunk, set her on fire. And then once you read more, because I'm like, what else happened? Like, why was this so creepy? Because in my head, I remembered hearing more. So then I went on Wikipedia and I was like, oh my God. So once Shanda got in the car, Melinda threatens to slice her throat. Amanda Heverin is nowhere to be seen. And she had no idea that this was even happening. So they take Shanda to the witch's castle because Lori's like obsessed with it. She thinks like she possesses spirits from witches. At this okay. point, Shanda is begging for her life this whole time. Lori takes out two pieces of rope and they tie Shanda's wrists and feet and Hope and Tony just looked on in horror. But again, they don't stop it. Tackett led them to a dark garbage dump off a logging road in a forested area. Lawrence and Ripley were frightened and stayed in the car. So Tony and um, Hope stayed in the car. Loveless and Tackett made up Shanda strip naked. Then Melinda beat Shanda with her fists. Next, Melinda repeatedly slammed Shanda's face into her knee, which cut Shanda's mouth on her own braces. Ugh. Melinda tried to slash Shanda's throat, but the knife was too dull. So Lori came out of the car to hold down Shanda, and both of them took turns stabbing Shanda in the chest. Wow. They then strangled Shanda with the rope until she was unconscious and placed her in the trunk of the car and told the other two girls that Shanda was dead. Holy fuck. She wasn't dead. The girls drove to Tackett's home, Lori's home, and went inside to drink soda and clean themselves. They heard Shanda screaming in the trunk. So Lori went out with a paring knife and stabbed her several more times, coming back a few minutes later covered with blood. After she washed, Lori told the girls' futures with her rhinestone, with her runestones. Uh. And at 2.30 a.m., Hope and the other girls stayed behind as Tackett and Loveless went. They went, like, driving around. 
Um, but they kept hearing more crying and gurgling noises. So, so Shanda she was still wasn't not dead. dead. So they stopped the car. When they opened the trunk, Shanda sat up covered in blood with her eyes rolled back in her head but unable to speak. So that's when Lori beat her with a tire iron until she was silent. And she told Melinda to smell it. Holy shit. So then Melinda and Lori returned to Lori's house just before daybreak to clean up again. Hope said to Shanda or asked about Shanda and Lori laughed describing their torture. The conversation woke up Lori's mom who yelled at her daughter for out being late and bringing home the girls. So Lori agreed to take them home. She drove to a burn pile where they opened the trunk to stare at Shanda. And then they sprayed Shanda with Windex and taunted, you're not so hot now, are you? They then drove to a gas station near uh, Madison High School, pumped some gas into the car, and bought a two-liter bottle of Pepsi. Lori poured out the Pepsi and refilled the bottle with gasoline. They then drove to um, just like a road out by a field. While Lori and Rippy wrapped Cher, who was still alive. How she was she still alive? alive at this point? Yeah. In a blanket and carried it to a field by the gravel country road. Lori made Hope pour the gasoline on Cher and then they set her on fire. Melinda was not convinced that Shanda was dead. So they returned a few minutes later to pour the rest of gasoline on her. Wow. The girls then went to McDonald's restaurant at 930 for breakfast where they laughed about Shanda's body looked like one of the sausages they were eating. Oh my God. How, How do they... Somebody must. So somebody must have confessed to this part. Tony like, did. They, oh, that they got. Yeah. Okay. I was like, how did they get that detail right. in there? But okay. So then, Tony then phoned a friend and told her about the murder. Lori dropped them off at their homes and finally turned to her home own home with Melinda. They told Amanda Heverin that they had killed Shanda and arranged to pick up Heverin later that day. A friend of Melinda's, Crystal Wathen, had come over to Melinda's house and they told her what had happened. Then the three girls drove up to Amanda's house to take her back to Melinda's house where they told Amanda the whole story. Both Amanda and this Crystal girl were reluctant to believe the story until Lori showed them the trunk of the car with with Shanda's bloody handprints and socks still present. Amanda was horrified and asked to be taken home. When they pulled up in front of the house, Melinda kissed Amanda, told her she loved her, and pleaded with her not to tell anyone. Amanda promised she would not she would not before entering her house. See, like, okay, yes, that's gruesome and awful yes. and everything that you possibly think of, but the fact that they're just telling people without any That's like, what I mean. That's the horrible part. Like that to me say like to me that shows that they did not understand their actions Uh, like to me that to me that sounds like they're sociopaths i just don't think that anyone that young should be put to should be put to death like i don't think that those kids i think they should be locked away for the rest of their lives uh, i I agree institutionalized yeah i mean i am not a proponent of the death penalty to begin with and especially for anyone under the age of 18 because like their brains aren't even fully formed yet like i yeah but that's some fucked up shit Right? To say the least. Right? Yeah. And they testified that the last thing Shanda said was the word mommy. Ugh. She's like, wow. Ugh, God. But like, Yikes. I almost like, yes, Lori and Melinda are insane. But the fact that Tony and Hope just like. Didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Where multiple times, like they stopped at different places. They called different people. They were at people's houses. Like, what? But that's groupthink. Like, that's. What was that? Wasn't there a, there was that whole, isn't there that whole, um, wasn't that a higher ed case that we. The prison? 
No, where there was like a there was like a rape in the middle of a courtyard and like oh yeah no mm-hmm. one yeah like, no one it was in Brooklyn yeah and like, yeah yeah and like, it's like a famous psychological right yeah. and no and no one but that's because it was more so they thought that other people, people would had do re- it re- yeah. yeah it's not like they were thinking this was gonna get reported sure they went along yeah with I guess it. that's different what the hell yeah that's fucked up yeah like I and then Lori and Melinda tried to put the blame on the other one. They did? Mm-hmm. Like, I wouldn't have done anything if it wasn't for Melinda. I wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for Lori. They're the ones that really oh, do it. Oh, the, I see what you yeah. mean. Yeah. Well. But neither one was successful in... Placing the blame on the blame. other. They both were sentenced to 60 years in prison. Hope was sentenced was also sentenced to 60 years, but Tony was the least culpable, and she was sentenced to 20. So, 60, 60, 60, and 20? Yeah. Hmm. I don't think either one was long enough. So but that one girl that got 20 is probably out by now. They're all out. I'll explain. What? Shanda's dad never recovered. He, he never recovered. He drank himself to death. I'm not shocked. He's buried right next to her. Oh, oh God. That's so sad. Right? Woof. Yeah. So um, I just don't understand. Like, it's, it's just wild to me that they did that. All because of like jealous, like you literally just killed her because you didn't want her to date your. Girlfriend. I don't think that's wild at all. People that I feel like that's not to not to sound gruesome, but yeah. that's logical. Like people yeah. kill for jealousy and love and money all the time. Like, True. like if that if they just picked some random person for no reason, yeah, like that would make less sense than that. But yeah, it's not good. But right. Like, so, in October 2007, Melinda's attorney, Mark Small, requested an, a hearing to argue for his client's release. He said that Melinda had not been, or Melinda had been profoundly retarded by childhood abuse. Moreover, she had not been represented co- competently by counsel during her sentencing, which caused her to accept a plea bargain in the face of exaggerated claims about her chances of receiving the death penalty. Small argued that at six, like Melinda, who was 16 years old when she signed the plea argument, was too young to enter into a contract with the state of Indiana without consent from a parent or guardian, which had not been obtained. Hmm. The judge accepted these arguments. Loveless would have been retried or, or release outputted, but the request was rejected. Instead, Loveless would be eligible for parole in 15 years, thus maintaining the original guilty plea. Um, and then her appeal was denied by Indiana State Court of Appeals as well. So Tony Lawrence was released in December 14, 2000 after serving nine years. She remained on parole until December 2002. Okay, that would piss me off. Thank you. On April 28, 2006, Hope Rippey was released from Indiana's women's prison on parole after serving 14 years of her original sentence. She remained on supervised parole for five years on April 2011. Lori Tackett was released from Rockville Correctional Facility on January 11th, 2018, the 26th anniversary of, Sh- of Shanda's death after serving only 26 years. Wow. Has completed an additional year of parole. Linda Loveless was released from Indiana Women's Prison on September 5th, 2019, after serving 26 years in prison. She'll serve parole in Jefferson County, Kentucky. Well, okay, so... I'd say that that would piss me off. The first two would piss me off. The second two, serving almost half their sentences. Yeah. Again, I guess that kind of goes with my whole line of thinking that their brains weren't fully formed when this happened. Right. And do I believe that they could be reformed by spending that long in prison? Sure. Yeah. Do I think people and deserve a second think, chance? Do Do I do think that the fact that Melinda and Lori were like, abused by their, their like grew up in a family yeah bro- broken home it, sure did it co- like contribute to contribute that to that they were yeah. desensitized to violence right. could be right. yeah 
Yeah. Um, but sh- so Shanda's mom, Jackie, had actually made her first. So she um, did something that a lot of people like kind of criticized. So she had indirect contact with Melinda Lovelace. What she did was she donated a dog named Angel in Shanda's name to Melinda to train for the Indiana Canine Assistance Network program, which provides service pets to people with disabilities. So Melinda trained dogs for the program for several years. And so her mom donated a dog in Shanda's name for Melinda to train. A lot of people were like mad that she did that. Why? That like, I mean, I think it's strange that she did that, yeah, but I don't think it's mad. But she was just like, it's my choice. She's like, if you don't let good things come for bad things, then nothing gets better. So. Huh. But like a lot has this played a lot into pop culture. Like it's been like a play. There's been two tr- two crime books about it. There was like episodes obviously of it in like Law and Order. Yeah, for SVU. sure. Because yeah. it is like so it is shocking. A con- it's yeah. like one that you don't like a 12 year old girl. Like you know what I mean? Like these 15 and 6 year old girls killing a 12 year old girl in such a way. Yeah. So heinous and violent. So heinous and, and violent. Yeah. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. And I can't believe that she just survived. Like, so they must have just been stabbing her like shallow. Right. Like, like, like cuts, not yeah. like deep. Yeah. But can you imagine? No. Being like, I think about being stuck in the trunk that long. Yeah. Like, I, not to mention bleeding out, but right. like, I couldn't, I wouldn't want to be in the trunk. Damn it. I know. I don't know what I would have done. And to have the strength after getting beat up and all these things to kick and like right, try to try get to out, your way out. Yeah. I would I don't know. It's just crazy to me. Mm. Okay, I don't like when you do ones like these. I had nothing to laugh about. I know. <laughs> like this Sorry. one was really fucked up. <laughs> And there's not, like, at least last week, we had to decide, like, was the husband involved or wasn't he? Yeah. Do we think so? This one is like, no, they were involved. They were involved. fucked up. They should still probably be in jail. You made me contemplate serious things, like... I know. Children being put to death. Uh, (laughs) Ugh. But do you know what what premieres uh, this Thursday, April 1st? Well, it's not a... Well, it is a kind of a premiere. What? It's the new crossover event, SVU and Organized Crime... Liv and Stabler are back, y'all. I'm so excited. I've been waiting for 10 years. And the news organized crime unit. What's that? Like, you know, the special victims unit. Yeah. Organized crime is like goes after the mafia and the mob and stuff. Organized. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So that the crossover event starts Thursday. I'm so excited. I don't know if I'll watch it. I mean, I'll DVR it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm so excited. I don't know, because you want to know what? What? The more I watched a Law & Order SVU while I was in quarantine, the more I'm like, you know what? Elliot Stabler is a very problematic character. Oh, for he sure. He was a dick. Yeah. He was violent. Yeah. He was sexist. Horrible to his yeah, wife. For sure. Horrible Jeez. to his kids. Right. Like. I agree. So, but that sexual attention just carried the carried the day. It's like, how are they not together? Right. Oh. I always wanted uh, Olivia to turn out to be a lesbian. They ruined that storyline. But anyways. Do you remember when um, Kathy Griffin played that like lesbian character yes. on it? Mm-hmm. But then she wasn't a lesbian? Right. I roll. Did you ever watch the original one? What do you mean? Law the, and Order? Yeah, the original no, Law and Order. Right. Oh, okay. Because there was the one episode, speaking of lesbians, there was, they made the one district, one ADA on her last show. Like, so there's no storyline where they're being a lesbian the whole time. Yeah. And on her last episode, they fire her. And as she's walking out the door, they go, she goes, is it because I'm a lesbian? <laughs> it was so awkward. It's like, what? There there was literally no storyline with that at all. 
It was very strange. I don't know. Hit me up in the DMs if you remember that, or if I'm the only freak about Law and Order, everything Law and Order. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let us know what you kind of thought about that case. It was Ugh. a yikes one. I know. I'm, I'm going to have to shower after or that. Or if you remember, I remember hearing about it I don't during the night. Really? No. Oh my God. Because I was like so into gore and satanic panic. Yeah, for sure. Satanic panic. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know. Don't forget to follow us on It Just Makes Sense podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at www.samonthebuff. You can follow me at Jeff Seif on Twitter. 1F. And don't forget to join our Facebook group, um, It Just Makes Sense podcast discussion group on Facebook. And you can find out when episodes drops, leave comments, questions, whatever you want. Pictures of your fabulous hosts. All right, friends. Don't forget to listen and subscribe, like, and come back next week. Bye. Bye.